For this episode, we gave a call to Scott and Jeff of Nurture Nurture to talk about their latest single, Lonely Habits. We also talk a little bit about their influences and what they hope they can accomplish with their music. Of course, as always, they let us hear a few sweet tunes as well. So sit back and enjoy the ride. I'm Kalen Capson, and this is the Pagan Place Podcast. First questions I usually ask, I've kind of moved away from a little bit for some reason, but uh, what do you guys love about music? Uh, that's tough. Um, I tough. guess for me, music has always been like a constant in my life. Actually, I did some thinking about this recently, so that's that's good. So but like, first of all, music has always been a constant in my life. It's always rewarded me no matter what purpose it served in my life. But I think also it has to do with the fact that it's like a kind learning environment in the sense that you get instant feedback on your ability every time. So if you go and you try to do something, you know what it is that you're trying to do. Your instrument or your recording or whatever gives you immediate feedback and lets you know whether you succeeded in that or not. So you can kind of see your progress and get instant gratification and feedback for, for over years. Um, you know, So I could go back and listen to something that I created 10 years ago tell a real kind of tangible difference in the fidelity and the songwriting quality, um, in my playing ability, my singing ability. So I think it's really cool to just have a skill that you can take with you that gives you instant feedback and that has measurable improvements over time. It's just really nice to have a thing. There aren't very many things in life that are, are like that, I guess. Um, and so that's always really helped that. And it's just, yeah, just a constant, something that I can lean on and escape with in a healthy way. What about you, Scott? Ah, uh, man. I love open-ended questions that put me on the spot. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> I mean, I think just as a creative outlet, it's really useful for me. Um, like you can go to a movie and get inspired with like the cinematography and all these different aspects of it. But like, I can only really experience that as like a, like an audio. Member. So mm. to have something that speaks to me as strongly as music does in like the creative realm of things like and to actually be able to kind of contribute and understand what goes on behind the scenes like just to be a part of that i guess and it's like almost like a burden in a way too it's like i feel like i have to be playing and making music like it's just in me it's got to come out so it's like a bit of a love hate sometimes but yeah it's always been in my life and i don't i don't never woke up as a kid one day and was like I'm choosing to like music now. It's just like, it just kind of like started from a very early time and it was just with me the whole way. And yeah, yeah just get all, the, get all the juices flowing, get all that out. It's definitely one of my favorite questions to ask because everybody kind of has a different way of wording some of the same things. There seems to be mm-hmm. some universals, uh, what people love about music. As yeah, unique, for sure. As unique as they are in a way, there's there's always some little factor that ties them all together. Yeah, we're all humans, right? Like we all have pretty similar emotional needs but we interpret them in different ways right yeah and i think music's one of those just fundamentally human things and it always has been always will be oh yeah i'm guessing like if you go back through all like the archaeology it's almost like they made a stick to like kill an animal and then the next thing they made was like an instrument to play (laughs) really really early in the progression it was probably that same stick that they just beat on something different to get a new sound (laughs) Oh, I like the sound that made when I hit that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> nice acoustics there. Yeah, maybe they didn't even realize. <laughs> they thought it was the same amount of productivity, too. They were like, hit an animal with this, get food. Super productive. Hit a drum with this, communicate with my friends. Still super productive. Exactly. <laughs> so you're, you're working towards your release for your first single off this LP? The idea is that uh, we're going to release singles um, every eight weeks, thereabouts, Um to kind of please the Spotify algorithm, but also because um, I really like to be accountable for something and it really helps me to have kind of the, the constant deadlines and the constant feed of stuff. Um, so for a lot of reasons, we're, we're releasing singles kind of consistently over eight-week periods. Um, uh, our first single is called Lonely Habits. This week's going to be nuts because we're going to try to 
kind of get as much hype going as possible. We've been building hype over the last month or so, but it's really important that that first day and that first week, we kind of send a message to YouTube and Spotify and all the places where people can find our music. This is a significant thing that's happening. So their algorithm send more people um, to that release, but also to kind of enhance the experience for our for our existing fans. You know, we don't want it to kind of be a be a muted fizzled experience for those people who are really invested in us. They probably want something exciting and big to uh, to support as well. So yeah, we're building up to it right now and it's we're probably going to still be talking about it four weeks after release as well. We've got different versions, instrumental versions, acoustic versions to release after the, uh, the official release as well. Oh man, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> One thing uh, that you do really well is your constant social media presence. That's something I find very hard. Maybe I'm a little lazy on that side of things, which is probably part of it, but I do have to give you props for that. There's constantly, you're putting your, your faces out, and, that, and that's really awesome because it's a, a good reminder. But not only that, I also really like that you share your music for other people to learn. So why was that a decision that you made to to post your, your music for you know just other people to, to pick up on or pick up the guitar and learn to play? Those questions kind of, or those those points do kind of go together, at least in one way. And for one, it's just more content, right? You know, you have a song is like one really big, high quality product that you spend hours on and put together. You know, Scott and I put in the real blood, sweat, and tears and hours into that song. So you can just take that one song and you can repurpose that um, in a hundred different ways to suit different social media platforms. Like you can take one song and post parts of it with different visual backgrounds on Instagram a hundred times over several weeks and it's still relevant. It's still getting in front of people. It still matters. So being able to teach people how to play the songs, releasing tabs and playthroughs, it's just a way to kind of bolster the amount of content that the song produces. It makes it more valuable. It makes it more accessible to, to more audiences. But at the same time, I know that this project for me anyway, I'm making content for myself. So my target audience is, is people like me. And when I go out and I find bands, I go out and I find them um, because it's practical for me, because learning from them will make me better at my instrument. And I always find that even a small barrier, like a guitar being in an alternate tuning, or there not being a video accompanying a tab, or there not being an instrumental to play along with, it only takes a really small barrier between me and learning that song to stop that motivation dead so that I don't pick up that song anymore. I'm less invested and less interested in that band for that reason. So I wanted to make sure our music was as approachable and as accessible as possible for the people that enjoy it so that if somebody wants to learn the song, I want them to be able to learn the song on the spot, pretty much. Yeah. Kind of a glutton for function, too, where it's like, I feel like you would like to go out and find, like, just the most ridiculous guitar song you can find and be like, I'm going to learn this and challenge myself. Just, like, get the whip out and start <laughs> whipping yourself like I don't have a song down yet. I'd like to provide that for other people. Probably, like, some kind of weird weird thing you're going for too oh that's weird it's almost like a sadism like (laughs) i want people to torture themselves with this your word your word not mine but (laughs) that is it makes it sound kind of like twisted and perverted but like i'm cool with it (laughs) if there's a demand for it you know (laughs) i like your use of repurpose makes a lot of sense you know when you word it that way yeah kind of what you were saying jeff a minute ago about uh kind of retooling and repurposing the song. Like you put all these hours and effort into making this track. And at the end of the day, you have like so many hours invested to make like a three to four minute product. So it is good to try and get creative and think of different ways you can use and repurpose that material. Because like if you just kind of release a song and leave it like that, then like when you consider like the hours in and the Mm. get out of it, like you got to really get creative with how you, kind of expand on that and keep it relevant and keep people interested, I guess. Yeah. And especially for us, like a lot of bands would, that product would go really far because they're touring that product. They're going to take it live and they're going to use that over and over and over again, night after night. But we're, we don't really have that privilege and that's not really part of our philosophy. Like we're, we're probably going to try to play festivals to kind of get our reach, um, widened as efficiently as possible and not really do the, the grinding, smaller shows type of promotion so yeah it is it's really important especially for our format to, to get as much as we can out of a two and a half minute song you know? yeah we, we want to play locally and all that as well but i think what jeff's getting at is not doing the grind where you're playing the same bars every weekend and kind of get 
burnt out doing it that way. Right. And yeah. be a little more uh, deliberate and efficient. No, that makes sense. Yeah, still want to invite us to shows, please. We're not saying uh, if you're not a festival, we don't want in. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Let us know anyway, please. <laughs> <laughs> still open for invites. Yeah. Yeah, so Scott actually was the one that introduced me to playing polyrhythms. I thought it was something that was just like over my head and it was for people who, it was for bands like the Mars Volta and, um, you know, the Human Abstract, like really complicated, Protest the Hero, complicated music that, you know, I wasn't even going to bother trying to ever play live. But when we were in high school, so like going on over 10 years ago now, Scott and I were just in a jam room. We had mutual friends that we played music with together. And him and his brother, his brother Adam is uh, is producing all of our records now. So Scott and his brother Adam uh, asked me if I wanted to jam a little bit, and they just started out odd time signatures, and I was able to to keep up a little bit. But that kind of showed me, you know, there's a ceiling up there and a way to play that is technical and complex, and it isn't necessarily just doing like you know Guns N' Roses style guitar solos. And I really liked that. It was like a, a form of complexity that wasn't wasn't totally inaccessible to me and that was different so that's when we that's where we met um and then years and years later after i played folk and indie rock for a long time um you know trying to pander to sort of bar crowds and and the venues i had access to at the time i decided that i was going to make nurture nurture something that was very distinctly um math rock and then i was having a hard time thinking of someone that could play drums for the project. And I know that Scott had recently um, gotten married. So I figured he was an old man that had no interest in playing rock music anymore. <laughs> so I didn't reach out to him personally and I'm embarrassed about that now. Um, and I put a, and I put a public 
on Facebook saying, you know, like, here's my project. Does anybody want to play drums for it? And then, yeah, Scott picked it up from there. Yeah, from my perspective, I just saw the post one day and uh, Jeff was like, hey, looking for a drummer to play really challenging, inaccessible, complicated music. <laughs> and I, I sent him a message like, hey, man, like, what kind of stuff are you working on? Because we kind of collaborated on a song before with one of your old bandmates when you were still living in Newfoundland. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like similar vibes to what we're doing now in a way. And I had just gotten out of uh, a lot of my music time sinks and projects over the past few years before that. And uh, yeah, Jeff assumed with the uh, the wife and the full-time job, I was out. But it was like uh, interesting enough that, you know, something that you want to make time for. So uh, I heard him say after that, if he thought I was available, he would have just talk to me directly, but I don't know if I, if he's just pandering to me or not, but <laughs> feel pretty good anyway, I guess, you know? Well, you're, the, you're definitely the only drummer in the area that I would think of for this style of music, I guess, because I know that you're not close-minded in terms of, like, I, I think I've never met, like, the metal drummers. I've never been deep enough in the scene to know the metal drummers that could feasibly play a song with complicated time signatures. Well, you got to, one, be able to play the music, and I'm definitely not the only drummer in the city that can play this stuff, but you also have to, like, playing this music enjoy the music so Mm. there's probably a lot less overlap in like those venn diagram circles you know yeah and i just kind of fit right in the middle where where jeff needs somebody i guess do you find your writing from prior to having a drummer and now that you're there's two of you has your dynamic changed and have you noticed much evolution in your music oh yeah slowly not so much yet i think jeff has been doing the rpm challenges every year i mean you could speak to this better than i could but where he basically writes, records, and produces and releases an entire album in the month of February, is it? Every year? Yeah, yeah. And um, so a lot of our songs so far have been retooled from songs that he has put out during that project. So there is room for collaboration there. I think going forward, uh, once this album cycle is over with at least, uh, then we'll have more of like a, a clean slate where we can both work on material from the ground up instead of me kind of hopping in and interpreting uh, things that he's already put together in a way yeah we are starting to see some of that now already and do you find it now that you do have drums do you have to retool the, since you're kind of revisiting stuff that's already written like do you need to fine-tune it to the to suit the drums so nocturnal panic our first album was the uh, was the material that basically i think it, it had more to do with scott adapting to the songs and like finding a way because what i wrote i wrote for a computer to play those drums and I don't play drums. So Scott took what I wrote as kind of an inexperienced uh, percussion writer um, and made them real. So I think that was a lot more Scott stooping to my level and my songwriting out of practicality's sake so that we could get a set list together to play live shows. And it's really complicated music, so it takes a really long time to learn. So we basically took the collaboration out in some ways of the nocturnal panic song so that we could get a set list ready to play our first show at taco pika in february before both taco pika and the world shut down to live shows um so nocturnal panic wasn't super collaborative i feel like the songs took on more character and personality um and quality i think they got better when we brought them together and started practicing them for a lot of reasons yeah i I would definitely say they got better after i got involved yeah yeah (laughs) Um, but the new uh, stuff, I agree. <laughs> uh, but the newer stuff, it, it's kind of like what Scott's saying. Like we're going through this evolution process, and we're kind of in the middle of it right now. So, Lonely Habits was a demo that only existed as a demo. No one heard it besides Scott and I. So we had the liberty to kind of like take it and pull it apart as individual riffs, and really just look at it objectively as as something that that could change that was capable of being malleable and we didn't change it too too much it was the first one that we kind of approached that way and didn't change it a lot but what we did change and what scott's contributed to the songwriting for that one was really really good so the second single the one that we were working on today i feel like we were even more open about it more collaborative i think um the writing process and dynamic hasn't changed so much adding a drummer but i think what has changed more for jeff at least is when he was making these um, like RPM challenge releases, um, there wasn't any intention before of like performing them as a band. Mm-hmm. So now that we're pretty locked into the two piece with you having a crunchy guitar and me on drums, um, I feel like the writing process now kind of keeps in mind that we're not going to be playing with a bassist, most importantly. Mm-hmm. So it, it probably changes up a bit how you uh, structure your guitar riffs and where you can't have the two instruments play off each other as much because we're them 
in a live setting. Mm -hmm. So there's probably more uh, adjustment going on uh, just to adjust to the fact that these songs will be performed and not so much who's who they're being performed with, you know? Right, yeah. So about the, the upcoming songs that you're going to be releasing, do you have a sort of a general motif, like a concept for the album already, and then you're just kind of working towards that? Or do you, do you already have the songs structured out? Sort of, kind of, maybe. Um, <laughs> the, the aesthetic is definitely set in stone because it's kind of like a visual brand that was easy to develop for me at first, um, but now our fans have come to kind of know it. So we know it's going to be that beach kind of sea-themed stuff, at least visually for mm-hmm. now. Um, but in terms of the songs, I think, again, like we're going through a little bit of an evolution. Like we have Lonely Habits coming out on the 14th. We have a second single slated for October. But just seeing how much our band has grown in popularity online, um, in our community that we started in our Discord, like there's so many more stakeholders in what we're doing now that even though we do have a plan for what songs are going to be on our LP coming out next summer, and you know we plan to have five new songs and the five Nocturnal Panic songs workshopped to be more reflective of Scott and I being the two-piece band, mm-hmm. like the actual band, Nurture Nurture, as opposed to my demos. We do have an idea, but there's a lot of respect for the fact that things really could change considerably by the time next summer comes around. So, yeah, I would say room to grow, but there's an idea anyway. And in terms of kind of like theme both of us um, and and Scott can talk towards his feelings of this because I know um, he's thought about this as well. But um, I struggled with addiction and I struggle with mental illness, and our songs really have that kind of altruistic aspect where the lyrics are about those experiences. And if people hear those lyrics and they live through those experiences, we also want to be a resource to help them through those experiences. So that's kind of the theme of our lyrics and the motif of our songs is um, you know like mental health and addiction. And just getting people in touch with inexpensive or free ways to cope with those things, including direct support <laughs> from us. So I guess our, our our moral and ethical theme as a band is to just hold better access to mental health and addiction services that they probably otherwise wouldn't have very good access to. Your so the previous songs that you're kind of retooling for this this release, are they sort of in that same vein as well or lyrically about addiction and mental mental health issues? as well or is that something that's coming in for the newer songs well i think um those tracks were written before we kind of had this broader theme for what we want to do with our music as far as like the the addiction mental health support and uh, that kind of community so even the singles now like we're not saying that we want to start this like mental health support community and then shoehorning song lyrics to kind of fit right. themes. So the the last year's worth of music, um, any songs that happens to be about that, from what I've heard, were most likely just uh, stuff that Jeff naturally wanted to write about. Mm-hmm. So there, there's like a, a handful that can apply to this uh, work that we're doing and a handful that don't really so much, but that's kind of the benefit of the plan to put out five singles and then the other five just released with the album. So... Right, we at least yeah. have five that kind of follow different themes. We can use those for um, kind of the, the work that we're doing with the band. And if the other five are about, you know, whatever politics or like raspberries or like who knows whatever else Jeff wants to write about, like <laughs> they get those on the other half. Yeah, I think I think the Nocturnal Panic songs, um, at the very least, are written in a context and from the perspective of a person who is struggling with those things. And you can definitely tell, but also it's like very much a breakup record. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of got a funny antithesis. It's, it's not really my struggle in terms of mental health or in, in, in a sense, anyone else's struggle with mental health and addiction. Those old songs are really just about kind of like finding courage and self-respect and self-esteem. So I think, I think they will still be helpful, hopefully for people, but it's like Scott said, you know, those, we definitely didn't write the lyrics with the intention to help people, but now that we know that they have the power to help people, maybe uh, maybe in the future it might dictate kind of what we're doing. Will you stop? I'm left behind alone. Friends all wait next 
think about that last song you know insert local band name here sure are good you know what give us a little like and share and tell us what you think here at the pagan place podcast when did you each start playing music when did you pick up your first instrument and then get into it um yeah so i was i think 13 ish i was in middle school um and i started recording music right then and there i have some of my oldest recordings um posted on a reverb nation a now defunct jeff cook branded reverb nation right <laughs> MySpace page. i had a myspace page well my myspace page was with my pop punk band panda farm in high school we that was when we were myspace warriors um did quite well uh had a run of t-shirts and everything so yeah, so I started writing all the way back then and I'd written poetry even before, I think it was like sixth grade when I started, when the concept of poetry as a medium was introduced to me by, you know, high school English class. So everybody is bagging on poetry as a subject in, in school. Like it, it did inspire me and it has helped me to this day. Um, so I was writing poetry even before that. And then I realized that, you know, not a lot of people want to hear just the words. They want some instruments going on with it. So I, uh, I picked up with the guitar at that point, and then I found out nobody else really wanted to volunteer to sing lyrics in, a, in my immediate vicinity, so I took up that job as well. So I wrote the lyrics, sang them, played guitar, and, uh, and I've been making it ever since. You know, that was, that was really what inspired me. It was probably some really, you know, pedestrian kind of educational grade poetry that started me on the whole, <laughs> yeah, the whole scoop. Yeah, for myself, um, my brother, Adam, he has always been very musical. And he was in a bunch of uh, clubs and performances for that over the years. And I was just kind of hanging out, younger brother, not much going on that way. And then uh, I think I was around the same age, like 12 or 13. And my mother sat me down and she's like, all right, you got to pick up like a sport or like an <laughs> instrument or something. Like you got to start doing something besides like just hanging out on the couch, playing video games. And running around the yard kind of thing. So um, it wasn't like a, this very like big calling on my life or this big moment of just like, well, I mean, well, the drums seem pretty cool. Maybe I'll play that. And my parents are probably like, uh, oh, like, oh God, now we got to get a drum kit. Like, can't you play the ukulele or something? <laughs> and uh, I'll admit some days uh, lugging the gear around for shows and practice and all that. I do wish I kept up with the ukulele that my grandmother bought me when I was like eight years old. But uh, the drum, so I just kind of um, picked it up for the best reasons, I guess. It was just something to do, and uh, around the same age as Jeff, yeah, I just started taking lessons, and it just kind of went from there. I was thankfully, like, kind of naturally a little bit good at it, because if I wasn't, I probably would have got bored and gave it up. You know, like, if you're not good at something in the first 10 minutes, it's like, oh, why am I doing this? I'm not immediately, like, <laughs> I'm not immediately excellent at this thing. Especially and, at that age. Yeah, so I kind of, not that I got into it for the wrong reasons, but... I kind of feel like this has happened in other areas of my life where maybe like there was a girl I liked and she was really into like this certain author. So I start reading all this guy's stuff and then the girl goes away, but it turns out that like, I really love this author. 
So they kind of like get into good things for the wrong reasons sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just kind of like fell in my lap and it just turned into a good thing, thankfully. That's, I've never heard that story either, so I'm really glad you asked that. That's really, <laughs> that is hilarious. Like, if Scott is somebody that I revere as like a drum prodigy, and to know that it was just like a... <laughs> Get my mom off my case. <laughs> I'll show you, I'll be loud in the basement. <laughs> I, like, I also like that there's a common thread I didn't know exists between us, that at one point in our career, we were doing it for the chicks, and that's just like... <laughs> <laughs> It hasn't, uh, hasn't really panned out for me so far. <laughs> no, I was, writing, I was writing really sappy, garbage, emo poetry accompanied by even more broody and terrible guitar. Back when I was using it to, to pitch to chicks, I'd be like, want to listen to me whine over really poor Nirvana ripoff songs? <laughs> so, yeah, it never really panned out for me either. <laughs> yeah, that's that age, you know. Yeah, humble beginnings. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have kind of an idea of where you guys want to go musically or i don't want to say in a business context but that's obviously going to come into play in some sort of part of what you're doing do you think there's an end point where you can be like you're going to be satisfied with what you have and you'll stick there or do you think you're just going to kind of let the evolution just happen until it stops i feel like i'm too much of a perfectionist to ever be satisfied with what i'm doing and i mean there's always that kind of musician's dream in the back of my mind that the goal being if you can quit your job and make a living off of uh, doing what you love, making music. Um, I don't know if we have too much of like a, like we didn't really sit down and like make a business plan for when we got involved with the music. Yeah, really just kind of not really setting too many goals because I usually set those too high and then <laughs> fail and then get really down myself. Trying to stay authentic with it and not really do anything for some other motive or purpose besides just to make good music and like kind of make it try and make a bit of a difference with it you know right and i mean it would be nice if we could retire with music and it'd be nice if we could you know play a show in front of x number of people but i'm not trying to like turn it into like a means to an end situation where you kind of sacrifice the journey along the way just kind of keeping it real you know (laughs) (laughs) which is definitely the best in my opinion tact like like you said you don't want to you don't want to sully the journey with uh, lost the word. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't want those artificial ambitions to kind of ruin what you're doing or ruin your, the fun yeah. that you might be having with it, you know? Yeah, and if you, I find if I wrap too much of myself into a goal, some kind of endpoint, once you get there, you're going to realize that there's more to do and that if you have too much of yourself tied up in that, you're probably going to be pretty miserable when, like, oh, I finally played the show and I'm still not happy. Like, what gives, you know? Trying to kind of keep that out of it i guess yeah i have i have lots of goals too like it's exactly like scott said you really have to go short term and right now what's in my sights for for nurture nurture at least is just that we hopefully with all with all this hustle we put in ahead of time that we get a thousand streams on our song on release day a lot of our songs are just passing the thousand stream mark after being up for six months but we've got a good following we've got a lot of momentum if all of our instagram followers listen to the song once then that means we're pretty much on a thousand streams for day one. And then long term, you kind of ask like what the end game is. I'm reading this book by NoFX called uh, The Hepatitis Bathtub and Other Stories. Yeah. Um, they only really made it out of pure luck. The fact that Nirvana and Green Day existed at some point was kind of why NoFX ever got popular enough to pay the bills. But they, they talk about the point where they had the option to compromise their songwriting and their the integrity of their image as kind of like punk rock paragons um and they said no they said this pays the bills now and if we take a major label deal they might you know shoot us up into major stardom and popularity but people that get shot up into major stardom and popularity often burn out faster Mm. and i thought to myself right if i can get to that point where i can pay my rent off of music pay my rent just like that's it and like scott said you know leave my job and uh and even just lead a humble life you know if i can make 50 grand a year you know pay my rent take one vacation or something, then I'd be happy with that. And I wouldn't compromise. I'd hope I wouldn't compromise what we're doing, you know, our mission and all of those things that have to do with our music. I, I hope that that's where I could stop, I guess, <laughs> that that right. would be end game. Do you think there might be any gear shifting between projects for you guys? Like just tackling different angles or adding new sounds? And that, that might be a dumb question because I, I anticipate most people that play music do kind of inevitably shift gears but oh we're we're adding right now so yeah like 
Yeah, like Nocturnal Panic was one way, and I based that off of what I heard in other popular math rock bands at the time. Um, and like I said, that that record stayed pretty much the same now that we're performing it. But this new song that we're working on um, for October, we there's two parts of the song that are distinctly math rock and post-rock. And I thought we had already arrived at that sound, but our sound has now evolved to be able to include those things comfortably. And it sounds very little like what we've been doing still feels comfortable within our sound so i i think we'll be constantly evolving trying to find ways to, to make the music more technical and fun to listen to and to learn um while still just trying to keep it in keep it in the broader stay on brand stay on brand yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly we never won't be this thing right like it's probably always going to be scott and i making this music and when it stops being that I think you should just give the project the respect of starting a new project, choose a new name, you know, rebrand, do, do something else. Like when we're not nurture, nurture anymore, then we shouldn't call ourselves that, I guess. I guess that answers it stylistically. We're kind of evolving and doing things, but on the more uh, tangible side, as far as like, if we're playing on experimenting with like other instruments and different sounds and things that way, we don't really have too many deliberate plans on getting into that. This might be like an ignorant point of view, but I kind of feel like when they start going off the edge with a bunch of different like sampling and different things, I'm thinking that maybe they're just getting bored with what they're playing and they want to try something else just to keep it fresh for themselves. Mm. So I guess to that point, if there is really any truth to that hot take, then uh, I guess we'll see when we, if we start getting bored of the music we're playing, if we want to try something else, but for now, like I'm really jazzed about doing so i don't i yeah i really i totally agree with what scott said i i, I don't anticipate that it'll happen i don't think you're writing music that you're gonna get bored of playing because if you get bored for a second you're probably gonna screw up feel like you're trying to play yeah we're always we're always gonna be playing at the edge of our ability like that i think that is a goal of the project is to keep us at the edge of what we're capable of right so and you can push guitars pretty far and you can push drums pretty far you know like it's there's no point moving on to something else until we've truly mastered these things and i don't know that anyone's ever lived that has truly mastered these instruments so you know like if you're making music for you should be making music for you fundamentally like if you're not having the most fun that you can have with it then you have to think about why you're doing it yeah, exactly. You know, all the power to somebody who is making music as a product to sell, but that's just not—that's not something I have the patience for anymore. You know. I had a
Is there an element of challenge to doing what you're doing that might entice you to keep doing it too, or? For sure. No, you can, you can find inspiration and challenge in a lot of ways, right? So I know what I'm looking at challenge-wise right now is songwriting. So I, I, I'm at a point in my technical ability playing guitar that I can you know, live out my guitar dream doing pretty much whatever I want with the instrument so long as I spend enough time on it. So what my problem was was that I couldn't necessarily visualize the direction I wanted songs to go. So I didn't know what really cool things should go where in which songs. So my, my guitar ability was kind of pushing up against that ceiling of my songwriting ability. So recently, that's how I'm challenging myself. I'm trying to learn more about songwriting and learn more about why great songs are structured the way that they are and mm. how that works with chords. And and so, yeah, so the learning that one chord should go with another and why those chords go together well, that's super inspiring because it's not just the improvisational way of writing that I used to do it. So, so yeah, the pushing my limits, learning new skills. A bit of a necessity too, where again, it kind of like keeps us interested and engaged. What influences played a factor in sending you down this road? I know for me, it goes back super far. So the first exposure I would have had to like experimental music would have been, you know, listening to, Pink Floyd, that that set that they do in Pompeii really mm. rings a bell, and it seems like the kind of thing that would that math rock bands would do today because they're playing these sprawling instrumental pieces with all changing motifs and time signatures and stuff. So I think that was probably the first exposure, and then you know Guitar World magazine brought me the Mars Volta, and I think every math rocker has in their bedrock of influences somewhere the Mars Volta kind of weirdness, um, but then following that it was more when i was in university and i had after like i mentioned that period of my life where i was hanging out with scott and adam learning about different time signatures then i wanted to incorporate it into my music a little bit which naturally led people to saying oh this sounds like math rock at the time i didn't know what that was so i got curious i started searching and then i stumbled upon all the bands like color tangled hair tube lord uh, meet me in st louis like the real kind of marquee math rock bands and then it was the music was so cool and stimulating that it was just all the way down from there but when nurture nurture was kind of made i guess the main influences were this band called invalids and this band called good game which is the guitarist from invalids the lead singer of invalids his name is pete davis i saw him singing and this insane complicated tapping on his guitar at the same time and i was like oh my god like this is the most talented musician I've ever seen in my life. I think I can do that. I want to go out and make music that looks like. So it was really me just trying to emulate what Pete Davis was doing, but maintaining that kind of indie rock, Mars Volta, weird mm. background, rock out mm. stuff. It's funny you mentioned um, uh, that Pink Floyd DVD. My stepfather was probably like eight or nine or something. He was a huge Pink Floyd fan, and he introduced me to a lot of the music that I kind of like can trace back to being inspiring to me now. I probably watched him watch that exact Pink Floyd Live in Pompeii DVD like at least a dozen times. Two parts of Echoes, and they yep. the yeah. So I that was actually a pretty big one for me too. Funny enough, and uh, I was actually there on my honeymoon three summers ago. That's funny. Awesome. Similar influence. Yeah, that's crazy. I did. I had no idea. That's that's insane that we both were inspired by that TV. My my big. It blew my mind the first time I saw, saw that. My friend's older brother right. put it on for us one afternoon. Just the the visually, you know, it was kind of cool that with that context. But the music that was probably one of the first times I really really dug into Pink Floyd too was listening to that beginning to end for mm-hmm. the first time. Something so old, so inspiring complex but like still very relevant today like right yeah really cool what's on the top of your playlist right now Ooh, yeah i listen to all kinds of weird stuff what do you want to talk about so there's a i just gotta let me let me pull this out so in our discord server this is this is the coolest thing um in our discord server we have like a little collective playlist where our, the people that are in our community can queue up songs and you can just listen to them so our community has been introducing us to all kinds of stuff um, a couple of the things that we listened to just recently together um, was the new Fall of Troy album. Also, Marietta is a band that we're often related to that I actually I'm, I'm starting to take a liking to. It's got that real kind of gritty emo vibe going to it. Um, but in terms of things that I really enjoy listening to the most, it's this band called Hikes, H-I-K-E-S. They put in an album in 2019 called Malakaita. But uh, but yeah, that, that album is is math rock. 
but the people that wrote the music are these uh, kind of like granola hippie live off the land kind of people yeah so it's coming from a completely different universe and aesthetic mm. um but they're coming to the math rock world with all those influences and made about it and it sounds just absolutely incredible um and besides that I guess Tiny Moving Parts, I'm starting to listen to them a lot more often. We're definitely really close to their sound. Um, Terra Mellos is always, is always in my wheelhouse. But I know Scott's definitely listening to different stuff than I am right now. Yes, well, I, I don't actually have Spotify or any like streaming stuff on my phone. Uh, this band called Loathe, they put out a new record, I think just late last year maybe. Uh, I let it in and it took everything it's called. And it's just, um, they got this kind of like, weird blend of kind of metalcore, but really like Deftones vibe to them. Like a real kind of strange, like, can't really tell if they're like super on key all the time. I don't know. Like they're a lot more polished than I make that sound, but you know, like kind of Deftones vibe, very unique sound thing. Mm. I've been uh, jamming out to that album quite a bit, a little more on the aggressive side, but that's not the music I play, but it's the stuff that I kind of like gravitate towards a little more. Yeah, and I'm always in and out of a couple of my favorite bands here. Like there's uh, Ocean Size. They're this like British prog rock bands that they unfortunately uh, so many years ago, but they were able to put out quite a few records. And they're just like start to finish on their main albums. Like I can just sit down and you know not a bad track on them. Uh, Norma Jean had a new album out uh, a little while ago. That one's incredible. Hmm. Nurture, nurture. I've listened to them a lot. They, uh, they guess <laughs> you have to go check them out. They get some good music, <laughs> especially the drums, right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, they got a wicked drummer. That's part of it, really. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so I'll do our, our spiel. Um, so, Lonely Habits. It's going to be out August fourteenth, which may or may not be today. Um, it's going to be available on all platforms. You can find it on Spotify, on Bandcamp, where it's going to have some extra versions to go along with it. Like we mentioned, an instrumental version, an acoustic version, an eight-bit kind of Game Boy sounding version um, that I use the actual Game Boy chipset to program. So if you're into that kind of thing, um, you can also find it on Apple Music, on Deezer, an video version on YouTube. Um, Pretty much anywhere you listen to music, you can find our song. You should be able to find it. Or uh, just send us a message on any social media, and we'll make sure you, you get a link to it. Yeah, Facebook, um, Instagram, YouTube, all the, the big ones. Are we on Twitter? We're yeah, on, we're Twitter. on Twitter, yeah. Yep. Yeah, all the, all the socials. It's all there. And we'll make sure you get a link to whatever you need. All of our instrumentals for Nocturnal Panic and guitar tabs for Nocturnal Panic are available completely for free for you to use as you'd like. All that we ask is that you give us a little bit of credit for them. So if you make content and you need some instrumentals and things like that, you're welcome to use ours. Yeah. I want the Discord. Oh, and we have a Discord server as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's our community where you can reach us pretty much 24-7. I'll only answer if I'm awake. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's a way... It's if you don't know what discord is it's kind of like a water cooler where you can just come up and start a conversation with whoever's there at that time um and i read through everything that people post there so uh so if you want to get in contact with me that's honestly probably the best way you can find an invite in the description of all of our recent youtube videos or again just send me a message and i'll make sure you get an invite to that thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to me and i really appreciate it especially uh on a sunny saturday afternoon i'm sure there's better things that <laughs> you might want to go do but i do appreciate you taking might, the time it might come as a surprise but promoting this single release is literally the most important thing to me in the world right now <laughs> no that's, that's so, fair yeah, no, yeah. definitely nothing else i'd rather be doing <laughs> fair enough i think it's really cool what you're doing here too i'm really grateful that that new brunswick is becoming a place where it's um encouraged and acceptable to to make podcasts and, and be in weird bands and, and do stuff that's that's really music oriented. We didn't always have these things. So that's really, really cool. And I'm, I'm super glad you're doing it. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. And you're absolutely right. It's, um, it's a very flourishing time for these sorts of things and music in a way that I haven't seen in a long time. I'll do one last soapbox. Um, the people around you might be struggling with a mental illness that you don't know about, and they most likely have really poor ass services that they need to treat that mental illness. So just do everything you can to be empathetic and supportive of those people because, uh, they're probably having a really hard time. Especially in with everything that's going on right now, in particular. Yeah, so I just wanted to put that out there because I think that's an important part of our message. It's a good message. Um, yeah, well, thanks for coming on, guys. I really appreciate it. I really wish you the best on this uh, upcoming release, so hopefully hit all your targets. Thank you so much, Kalen. Oh, yeah, no problem at all. Have a good day, guys. Cheers. Hey, you too. Thanks. Cheers.
there, it's Alyssa from Piccadilly Coffee Roasters in Sussex, and you've been listening to the Peg and Place podcast.